welcome everybody to episode 130, 30, 30 of the uh, 2 podcast. I am Ben. And I am David. And we are the Metabilis 2 and we talk about Doctor Who. Ooh, we have a it's rhyme. A rhyme. Yeah. Little rhyme. It's our yeah. new slogan. Our new jingle. <laughs> yeah. Someone should set it to music. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, news drop today of the next animation. Oh, which is, drumroll, Fury from the Deep. Because you know all that already. Yeah, it's not Everyone. one that I expected them to do. What were we putting our money on last week? I can't even remember. I think point. we were doing the Space Pirates. We were doing was... the Space Pirates in a Jerry Anderson. Yeah. And in a Super Mario Nation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, never going to happen. Um, yeah, Fury, 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 Fury from the Deep. Very atmospheric story. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, foam to be animated there. I'm sure they've got a way of animating that foam effectively. Mm-hmm. Well, the big news, I think, is they're opening up a second animation studio to get this work done. Uh, Gary Russell, of uh, former DWM editor and of Big Finish, is now doing animations out of Australia. Does he live in Australia now? Yeah, he does. And he's a What's social... he doing down there, for God's sake? Uh, I think he runs an animation studio or works in an animation studio. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair and enough. So his animation Gary. student, <laughs> his animation studio that he's part of, he has been doing that for the last few months, getting ready for Fury from the Deep. And so it's not the Charles Norton experience. It's the Gary Russell effort. Okay. The Gary Russell experience. <laughs> yeah. Really. Okay. Gary Russell project. So have you seen any uh, production stills or anything yet on that? Um, No. I mean, there was that trailer. I mean, the kind of atmospheric, right. styly trailer. Um, and I don't think our friend Rob is involved. Yeah, because he's with the Charles Norton experience. Yeah, and it doesn't appear that our friend Aid is involved. Oh, yeah. Aid Salmon. Aid yep. Salmon. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, curious to see how it turns out. I'm interested to see how they do the foam. I'm imagining a kind of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings style rotoscoped foam, mm. but I'm, I don't think that's going to be the case. Certainly the studio clips of Yuri from the Deep. That foam is very mobile mm-hmm. and splashy. Right. And I'm not quite sure how that's going to translate into animation, unless, of course, they go full macro and do it differently. I think what I would do is do the rotoscope of foam. You don't have to hire extras. You don't have to hire actors to do Ooh, that. Okay. And you would just do, um, build up a library of foam and seaweed that you can then insert into the actual animated scenes, but try to go for as realistic as you can with foam, seaweed, waves, water, that bit. Blimey. All right. Okay, cool. Well, I will have to see. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see what happens. Um, 2020 is the year. Yeah. Well, no, hang yeah. on. Is that coming out in 2020? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got Faceless Ones and Fury of the Deep coming out next year. That's amazing. It's exciting. Yeah. What do you think of the old uh, Faceless Ones trailer? The thing with the trailer is it's all for existing footage. So they aren't showing any of the episodes, uh, parts that we've not seen before. So it's really hard to... Uh, judge well it's hard to get a good sense of where they're going to be headed with the animation when it's uh, literally being compared directly to what we already see on screen with the surviving uh, 1960s footage airplane was a bit more dynamic though yes Um, and i'm not sure it was a vc10 i don't know i think they missed off a couple of engines off that airplane Mm. Mm. uh did you spot the easter egg with Delgado, master yeah. on the wanted poster or something. Yep. Yeah, coming out of the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of something like that? I don't know. I mean, it's like, um, it's fun to spot. Um, I'm not sure how it fits with continuity, though, so. What I would have done is had the war chief. Oh, yeah. Been on there, and then you would have really played with fans' heads. Yeah, because it implies the master's, like, on Earth doing crimes, sort of before he was on Earth doing crimes. Though, I guess he could be... Uh, in Switzerland, <laughs> yes, working on the uh, um, working on the mind of evil machine. Yeah, well, that would fit. Then you got to see that sometime. Where why why that would make a... him a wanted criminal, though? I don't know. Well, maybe it was a recruiting poster. Come join email Keller. You know, like Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk, come join <laughs> Professor. What's 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 he called in Mind of Evil? What's his his alias in that one? Can't remember. Well, it's the Keller machine, so it's Emil Keller. Um, it's the Keller. Keller machine, of course. It's the Keller machine. Emil Keller. So it's just, 
Which is totally like Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk, Emil Keller, it's exactly the same. It's come and join, come and join my Swiss thing in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, so that maybe yeah maybe it is. It's either I said it's either the Reverend Magister's Bible study group, because um, he's the chaplain at um, Gatwick Airport for some reason before he moves to um, Devil's End in the early seventies, or. It is Emil Keller's uh, recruiting for his think tank in Switzerland. Come join uh, Tesla. Come join the... <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. The Keller experience. The Keller Corp. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so yes, plenty of animations coming up. Um, yep, we'll ha- definitely have episodes on both of those. Have you had... Do you have faceless ones on pre-order from Amazon? I do not have faceless ones on pre-order Ooh, from Amazon. 14 no. pounds right now. It'd be a good time to... Oh, to your, lock that lock, lock that, that price, price in. in, yeah, lock that price in before Brexit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If that's is well, something that ever, well, happens. I don't think it's happening on uh, Thursday. Oh, it, oh, it is. If you if you listen to Mister Boris, mm, <laughs> such an idiot. Good God, how are we saddled with with these people? Anyways, we're we're way off tangent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 segue desperately back into subject, which is. Uh, Spooky Who, right? We're still on Spooky Who? We are. This is our final episode of the Spooky Doctor Who's, and we're going to talk about specific stories, I think. And yeah. And we're, we're, we'll be going to pick one from each Doctor. <laughs> You're kidding me. Ah, uh, okay. Because I, ha- I have done. Well, maybe we should focus on that, because that would be Ooh, a good okay. framework. Yeah, why not? Okay. Since you are our guide, since we established my bona fides are not up to snuff when talking about horror and spooky things in the previous Doctor Who Metabulous oh, 2 podcast, well, let's use you as our guide. Your Ooh, recommendations. I, and, my recommendations and, are... Okay, should, right. Shall we um, go backwards in time, and, or do you want to go forwards no. in time? Or do you want to roll a die? Have you, have you a die at hand? <laughs> Imagine you're surrounded by surrounded by dice. Uh, we can go backwards. We, I mean, we know. I mean, I, last week I said that it takes you away. Is the is the spooky one? Mm-hmm. So let's. I got a random number here between one and thirteen. Okay. I got it all in order. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We'll start with Doctor Number Six, Colin Baker. Uh, and I picked the Twin Dilemma as horror, as spooky. What? What? As- uh, horror really and let, spookiness let me guess and, why okay okay uh, is, okay yeah all right guess guess why okay this, this is a good one all right is the reason why is because the doctor has such a different character coming that in is, from peter davison that he's choking perry that is exactly the reason why really okay yeah. and it's I, I still find well i mean obviously i find the twin dilemma hard to watch because it's really no good but <laughs> Um, it's doubly hard to watch because the Doctor is so horrible in it. And that's literally horrifying. The Doctor is like a hero who's nice to people. And all of a sudden he's turned into a non-hero who's nasty to people. And not only is he nasty to people, he's nasty to Perry in particular, who certainly doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And does that carry out throughout the whole Twin Dilemma? If memory serves, that is really only early on. And he does sort of settle down Colin Baker's Doctor uh through the four episodes he does but by then i've turned it off because i don't <laughs> like the twin dilemma so <laughs> um, so sorry that's that's a bit of a, a facetious answer. right but really no it's 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 yeah i mean the rest of it is pretty kind of hooey not in a not a very effective way the acting isn't very good the special effects aren't very good the story isn't very good but that first part where he is choking the life out of Perry for no readily apparent reason is is horrible and and is horrific and very nasty, and um, I so I went for that one you know because obviously one could go for vengeance on Faros or you know for some of the old ultra violence mm-hmm. uh, a mysterious planet um, or uh, terror of the vervoids those vervoids are creepy but I thought no let's go let's go straight to the straight to the mother load and twin dilemma so that was my thinking. Is it more horror or is it more just horrible? Um, it's 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 kind of horror actually, because I mean, what is more horrifying than your best friend suddenly becoming a different person, um, and not only becoming a different person, but also a different person? So they not only look different, but they act completely differently. And not only do they act completely differently, they act in the inverse way that you'd expected them to act. They've just saved your life, right? And they were a good, decent person who always tried to do the right thing. 
and all of a sudden they look completely different and they've decided they want to kill you. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's that, uh, transformation and it's almost Jekyll. It's, it's Jekyll and Hyde is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a classic horror movie right there. Right. Okay. Old book. Yeah. So shall we move on? Oh, let's move on. Random number generator. The next one, just moving. Yes. It would be number seven, McCoy. Sylvester McCoy. Well, I picked one of your favorites, which is The Curse of Fenric. Yeah, so that's probably obvious then, I think, because of the vampires. And it's it's exposing the horror tropes of vampirism, I think, and belief and stuff. So it's pretty straightforward. Glowing green eyes. Yep. Gothic horror classic classic yep yep they're all it's you know it's set in the coast of dracula country apparently yeah no so it's vampires Mm -hmm. you know lurchy vampires they're they're a bit like vampires they're a bit like zombies Mm -hmm. of course vampires are sort of zombies yeah just as a quick sidebar here have you seen uh, moffat and gatiss's dracula trailer yet no i've not Mm -hmm. i'm 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 a bit down on them after they made such a hash of sherlock Mm. so uh, i might be giving that a pass no no doubt i'll have to watch it at some point but Uh yeah i'm a bit down on them so i gave it a miss i was too too busy enjoying fury of the deep and faceless ones Ah, trailers uh okay yeah so the other bit with horror in the Curse of Fenric is you have the whole, uh, the poison gas, which is kind of proxy for nuclear horror, I think, which is very, very prevalent in the late 1980s. Yeah. No, the the, the poison gas is mm-hmm. definitely horrible. I mean, I, I can't remember whether we talked about this when we just did our, our Ace rewatch, but it's also kind of James Herberty as well, like the fog. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that gas yeah. is a bit like that, mm-hmm. too. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 you know, and there's there's gravestones, and there's a church, right. and there's a uh, there's a there's a, uh, a a priest with doubts, which is also very James Herberty, actually. In fact, the whole thing is very James Herbert. Mm-hmm. I'm sure James Herbert was an influence on on Mr. Briggs when he was writing that, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. it's using the classic horror tropes right out pretty much on the surface. You have the yep. underlying 1980s angst of uh, nuclear war, which is transformed into chemical weapons specifically for this story. Yep. Uh, yep. Probably would have been better with nuclear weapons, but that really went to fit within the British time frame of the World War II era. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So yep. I think the only other one I would really choose from that uh, McCoy Arrow would have been uh, the greatest show in the galaxy with the clowns and the oh, horror clowns, of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which is very, very Stephen King. Yeah, it is quite Stephen Kingy in that way. Killer, killer, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Killer clowns from outer space. Great. Yeah. Okay. Shall okay. we move on? Random, ge- random ge- number generator. Generate a number random number for us. 11. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Well, I couldn't actually remember because I was <laughs> jotting this down in the. Um, uh, when I had lunch today, um, where, where, where what's the one where all those silences are hanging from the ceiling? That's that's a bit spooky. Is that the Impossible Astronaut? Probably. Yeah. Day of the Moon. I don't know one of those. Okay. Um, the very, yeah. first one of season, the season opener and second story of series six. Because that's a classic horror thing. You're walking through a spooky old house. You're you're looking around. Where are the spooks? Well, I don't mm-hmm. know. And then. <gasps> Don't Slo- look up. Slowly. <laughs> oh, they're on the ceiling. No. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's you know it's it's pretty it's pretty classic trashy Moffat there, um, giving us a pretty standardized spooky house, spooky yeah. house fright, and it's a mental asylum or something, mental hospital, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. no, it's it's an is it an is orphanage? It's an orf- orphanage. Orphanage, I think. Hospital. I think Same it's thing. an orphanage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's an yeah. It's a, it's a creepy it's a, old building. At creepy night. old building. It's an orphanage for mental orphans, is what it is. <laughs> um, for River Song. <laughs> except for River Song, exactly. He was a mental orphan. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, that's that's my Matt Smith. And then you know Matt Smith has got so many. He is quite. I feel he has. For some reason I feel that Matt Smith was Doctor Who for longer than anyone else. I don't mm. know why. Maybe it just seemed longer. So this is when Moffat was trying to win all of Doctor Who. So he yeah. had, I don't know, how many centuries that he was on Planet Christmas or Trans- Transalore. And... The planet of the Christmas people. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 For yeah. Smith, I did have uh, oh, my okay. thought for the creepiest one because I really didn't go for the silence. The silence were 
to me a little bit uh, X File Alien. And X Files. They were very, very X Files. Yep. Yeah. The yep. Men in Men in Black type. Men in Black. Alien. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the silence seemed gratuitously violent or misplaced violence. They killed that one woman in the White House, and then they were pretty ineffective as a terror afterwards i thought right. yeah no, I, I, I can't disagree with you there but the, but you. but the first episode of the two-part time of angels flesh and stone especially episode one with the angels the aliens as we've discussed earlier that was really i think pretty creepy just going it is pretty caves going and... through the caves mm-hmm. and that bit at the beginning i mean even the bit at the beginning with what's his name from the streets getting all river songed um, it's it's very well made and it is creepy and it's all at night mm-hmm. and you know the angels on the TV screen and blah, et cetera et cetera et cetera. It is creepy. I'm mm-hmm. not going to disagree with you there. So uh, moving on. Moving on. Number nine, Christopher Eccleston. And I went with the Unquiet Dead. Okay, that's a surprise. But well, uh, I'd already d- talked about the uh, Doctor. You know, the Doctor dances, yeah. an empty child. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I thought, well, why not? Let's just go for Unquiet Dead. So what's your take on this? What makes it particularly spooky? Is it the ghosts? They're like those spooky uh, spirits that come out of the Ark of the Covenant at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. They zoom about um, being spooky and evil. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a corpse, that, there's corpses that move around. Mm-hmm. It's all set in Victorian Christmas time. That's right. a traditional time for ghosts to appear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's... That's my reasoning. For me, Unquiet Dead was a very satisfying story. It felt very classic Doctor Who, and this was yeah. something I was looking for, especially on Series 1 when it came back with Eccleston, just how how familiar or how how much I would recognize of the show because uh, RTD really had changed it quite a bit into a, a different demographic than what I would have experienced as as a young young boy, young teenage boy watching it in the 1980s. Right. And so it was, for me, The Unquiet Dead was more classic Doctor Who feeling than anything else in that whole uh, first series. Yeah, feels very feels very classic, which, of course, you know, not only is Gattis a, you know, a student right. of um, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who is also a student of classic British horror as well, mm-hmm. so... That's only to be expected, I think, in some ways. And then, much like uh, other stories in series one, there's a lot of uh, things like uh, the rift and the energy coming off the rift and a lot of the time war that really are kind of left in series one. They're not picked up quite as much in subsequent series. That's true, though, of course, it is set in Cardiff, and so you get Eve Miles playing the ancestor of Gwen Cooper. Yep. Or something, um, which then plays into the whole rift thing, which uh, feeds into Torchwood, which has plenty of horrible episodes in it. <laughs> horror or horrible? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to say which. <laughs> All right. So, All right. number two, Patrick Troughton. Ah, I went topical. I went with Fury from the Deep. Ah, perfect for tonight. <laughs> exactly. Because it's super, I, from what I've heard of it, and I've not actually listened to the whole thing, spoiler alert. Um, well, that's that's going to be great. Or because have I? Well, either way, I mean, if you're not that familiar with it, that's it's great that they're animating it, because then we have a good excuse to go visit it. Uh, yeah, I've read the book, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's super spooky and scary, and the monster is very non-corporal mm-hmm. a lot of the the spookiness well i guess for what 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 bits of it i have heard um you know sound effects of the of the thing it's a lot of you know it's, lot, it's kind of it kind of already sort of is an animation in some ways because it's the sound effects that really seem to kind of sell sell the gag of some foam being frightening with like bits of seaweed thrashing around in it mm-hmm. and of course there's the famous mr oak and mr quill and they're kind of weird weird yelling mouths so uh, yeah, it's 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 spooky. It's scary. It's like the thing. It's like John Carpenter's as the thing from another world. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Spandrel of uh, Random Hoonus tweeted out this afternoon that there's something to be appreciated just of uh, of Fury from the Deep as just an audio only story, and uh. it really is, I think, something special. Sound plays a really, really crucial role in just with the seaweed, since seaweed is not a bipedal monster. It's not something that you have a conversation with, that you get that yeah. kind of strange seaweed 
pulse heartbeat in the in right. in the pipes and then the story resolution also has to deal with sound so it's it's a very audio focused uh, story in many ways and sound really can uh, make or break any kind of spooky or horror film yeah absolutely nope and yeah. I mean, it's fully demonstrated by uh, like, uh, have you seen the YouTube fan trailers of The Shining, which make it kind of an upbeat vacation? Yes, film? I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Funny. it's all down to the soundtrack and the the, yeah. the the music and how you cut something for a trailer. In this case, whether whether it's uh, scary or oh, this is a feel good movie about a guy starting over. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's yeah. So no, it's, uh, yeah. I'm and I'm very much looking forward to Fury from the Deep. I think it, I, I have to, I suspect it's going to animate quite well mm-hmm. in a way that I'm suspecting that it's entirely possible that the faces ones won't animate that well. Hmm. I remain to be convinced. I mean, you can easily, I can easily be wrong, but I I think I think Fury's going to animate nicely. I'm looking forward to it. My biggest concern with Fury is the, capturing Debbie Watling's likeness, and I think oh. she is a I mean, obviously she's a beautiful woman, but she has different looks depending on camera angle. It's not consistent, her appearance. She's not easily characterized on her looks, on her appearance. So I think capturing uh, Victoria will be a challenge. Well... We will just have to see. And hopefully the, the Victoria capturing technology is <laughs> increasing by leaps and bounds um, until eventually we'll be able to do an 100% real Victoria. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yes, I, uh, yeah, she is, she's very difficult. Mm-hmm. She has a, Debbie Watling has a very classically beautiful face, very symmetrical, um, I think, yeah. with not a lot of detail mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine what trouble they'd have, like, animating, you know... Um, Peter Davison, for instance, in the in the nineteen eighties, with his smooth young <laughs> face, yeah, similar, similar, similar issue. I think mm-hmm. similar issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and you yep. can see that with the DWM comic art too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Uh, Davison is harder to capture than say Tom Baker. Absolutely, and I think they all complained about it. Yeah, <laughs> they, the, did. The they did. They did. They yeah. did. Right. So, Tenant number ten. I went with the classic Waters of Mars. Ooh. We haven't ever talked about the Waters of Mars. Well, we must have talked about it at some point because we've talked about everything at this point. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it's it's classic. It's classic kind of space horror. I very much get a uh, event. Have you seen the, you're aware of the movie Event Horizon? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I get a strong Event Horizon vibe mm-hmm. from Waters of Mars. I can see that. I also get a strong Satan Pit vibe as well, going back to an earlier, um, an earlier tenant. You know, there's something cosmically horrible about the evil water that lives underneath underneath mars Mm -hmm. and i think there's also something cosmically horrible about being stuck on an outpost with kind of no way to get out right um there's no way out Mm -hmm. basically and the evil water is coming to get you and your friends are being taken over um and then they're vomiting evil water at you through their evil cracked lips right and yeah, I think it's I think it's spooky and it's horrible and it has that kind of event horizon cosmic mm-hmm. horror aspect to it. So that's why I picked it. I think that's a really good good story for horror, just with the faces uh, turning to stone and then yep. uh, vomiting, as you said, water out from them. That that's horrific. It's a scary story. I think it's a good example of not sticking the landing. If this story had happened earlier in Tenet's run, where they weren't trying to set up uh, set up the Time Lord triumphant and the right, Doctor get his right. comeuppance, right? Or if you had Graham Williams as producer rather than the RTD, uh, everyone would have died, or the the commander would have sacrificed herself to blow up the station to prevent you know prevent the water. But this decision that they wanted to tie in with Tenet being uh, you know, I write the rules, I break the laws, you know, whatever. I make the rules now. Right, 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 the, right. The horror, I think, in effect changes to be not the horror on of the waters of Mars, where water always wins, but the horror of who the Doctor is becoming. Yeah, yes. And, and I think it undermines or uh, waters down. <laughs> uh, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it ruins... Uh, it ruins really what was a really strong horror 
uh, story yeah. with that final ending and bring 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 is it What's Adelaide it Adelaide Brooks I think Adelaide Brooks bringing her back from uh, bringing her back from Mars. yeah yeah because it could have been you know completely could have been Warriors of the Deep kind of everyone dies mm-hmm. story yeah um, which I think it should have been and uh, dr- yeah. but die heroically for uh, for yeah a yeah, yeah yeah they. Yeah. Exactly. They sacrificed themselves to stop the evil water from doing its plans. And I think it would have been awesome. Well, maybe not awesome, but I think it would have been really fun. You could have had tenants say there could have been another way or there should have been another way. You could have just you could have taken that and for his future father in law and used the exact same wording to end it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, and that would have made it nicely circular. Mm-hmm. So, but but anyway, but I mean, I think as I said, it does have this, uh, and it's less overt than the Satan Pit. Yeah, um, where it's like, oh, it's the devil at the bottom of a pit, mm-hmm. you know, which I think I think is fun and 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 cool, mm-hmm. but it's it's not particularly. It's a little bit obvious, right? Yeah, um, it's Satan in a pit. <laughs> it's called the Satan Pit. Yeah, the best parts of the Satan Pit is Toby and the, yes, the, and the yes. voice in Toby's uh, mind don't turn around and the writing on his face and that yeah. that is the best best parts of yeah. the Satan Pit. The the actual yeah. uh, Satan not not quite in as good. Pit. Yeah, not quite as yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, moving on to Tom Baker, Doctor Number Four. Oh, Doctor Number Four. Well, I. Talking about the one where everybody dies, I've gone with The Horror of Fang Rock. Terrence Dix's best scripted story. I yes, think. yes. And I think it's topical at the moment because I don't know if you're aware of the uh, the new Eggers movie. Um, uh, Robert Eggers. Is it Robert Eggers? Is that The Lighthouse? The Lighthouse, yeah. yeah. Um, so a Lighthouse is a topical at the moment and so is The Horror of Fang Rock. Also and they're doing a pastiche of Horror of Fang Rock. Basically, they're doing a, uh, a story without the Rutan. But ex- exactly the same story, am I correct? It, yeah, there's, there's fewer people, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, and it's in black and white. But it's basically, yeah, it's it's a pastiche of the horror of Frank Rock. <laughs> um, the director's a big fan of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So, Patty okay, Russell, what, what, yep, yep. Exactly, yep. So there you go, yeah. yep. I don't think so, but <laughs> no, I don't think so. Either. Um, but yeah, Frank Rock, it's 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 horrible. It's and it's horrible. Not only because you know it's a it's it's based under siege, mm-hmm. it's it's haunted house, but the the betrayals that happen throughout mm-hmm. of the characters and the fact that none of the characters really deserve to live, and even the ones that that do deserve to live get killed right. in any case. Right. Um, it has. I mean, again, I mean, I, w- I was going to go with pyramids of Mars, but I think I've talked about that enough already. But that. The as- those aspects of kind of betrayal of friendships and mm-hmm. betrayal of family bonds mm-hmm. that is that happens in in uh, in Pyramids of Mars is 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 kind of ramped up in in Horror of Fang Rock, um, and again I'm always kind of amazed that um you know when uh, uh, Terry wrote this in like ten minutes or however long he said he <laughs> took to write it. You know, and again, a similar. I'm always amazed. You know, where, 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 with with the brain of Morbius, which is another kind of uniquely horrible show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, I yes, you should take my name off it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I think um, I think he was a very, very gifted writer, and maybe um, you know, more gifted than he thought he was, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, Horror of Fang Rock's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you chose the first story outside of the Hinchcliffe Holm era. I think Bob Holmes was still script editor at that point, but uh, Philip Hinchcliffe had departed the previous season he had, as yes. producer. So this is uh, a Graham Williams uh, production. And Graham Williams joint, yeah. I think we owe it to Graham Williams that everyone dies. I think if uh, Hinchcliffe was there, he would have uh, told... He would have saved someone? He would have had Holmes save someone, but by... Yeah. Uh, putting Graham Williams in charge, uh, the over-concern or the the concern of the producer that uh, uh, Hinchcliffe had of not uh, dialing back the terror or the horror a little bit allowed for this classic to go out with Everyone yeah. Dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd flapped around a little bit with doing Robots of Death, which I think is is pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you know, it's like Terminator style horrible. You're being stalked by creatures that you can't kill, mm-hmm. um, and only want to, uh, and the only thing they want to do is kill you. And then, of course, then I was thinking about, um, uh, oh, my mind's gone blank. Vampires, the Great Vampire. Oh, uh, so, State of Decay. Uh, State of Decay, which I like better than I did at the time. It is really spoiled by having Adric in it yeah. um, and also K9 in it too, hmm. in my opinion. I'm, hmm. 
I'm not so sure that Canine doesn't make it. If it was Leela and the Fourth Doctor, they pick up Canine right after Horror Fang Rock. So he's, I mean, K- K- yeah, Canine's just not very gothic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a pretty obviously a clockwork mm-hmm. dog, and that's why they leave him out of uh, Image of the Fendel there too, because it does. Yeah. K9 really wouldn't fit within the theme of that story. Yeah, yeah. And Adric, again, is also not very gothic. He's just a pain in the ass. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, Lala, and I don't like Lala Ward that much either, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you know by now. Um, and she's just a bit too jolly. Yeah. yeah she's too pretty. I mean, even though she, you know, she was in Hammer movies. Right. But as a victim, as a vampire, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was in Circus of Blood, I think, mm-hmm. or whatever, Circus of something. Vampire Circus, beg your pardon. He was in Vampire Circus. But, um, yeah, she's just a bit too jolly and pretty and posh. Hmm. Um, I, she just doesn't have the kind of hard edge that, that you want with something that's kind of gothic and spooky and nasty. You think it would have been worked better with Mary Tam? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who is the best Romana, I'm afraid, of, of the Romanas <laughs> that are available. I would have to concur, but yep. this isn't the Romana <laughs> podcast. So. This isn't the Romana <laughs> podcast, no. Right. Battle of the two Romanas, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you go. So that was so that 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 was my fourth Doctor choice. So, have you thought about Paul McGann, the eighth Doctor, for anything oh. in Big Finish that comes to mind? I have not considered the eighth Doctor. Goodness. So I'm going to throw out the Chimes of Midnight as a ghost story that is quite is quite story. creepy, and I think we should review it or examine it uh, this. Uh, Christmas time. I think it'd be a good time to revisit good plan. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why, why not? Yes. So without getting too much into it, it's a very, it's a very spooky, spooky story written by Rob Sherman, and it's set at the time of Christmas. The spookiest time of year. Yeah. Well, it's it's a British tradition, so I've been told to have ghost stories at Christmas. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, this goes back to the kind of cultural difference thing, which is kind of being even more erased as we speak. But, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, Halloween is not a thing. Right. Um, ghost stories happen at Christmas. Right. That is the spooky time of year. Halloween is not really that spooky. So I was in Germany about 15, 16 years ago at Halloween time. And even in Germany, they were getting into Halloween. And it's just not a German holiday. And it's just weird. It's an American holiday, and it's a it, as with most American things, it's a mishmash of many different cultures, uh, celebrations of the dead, I guess, or of this fa- yeah. fall harvest. And it's it was weird seeing it in Germany, and I can only imagine it being equally weird seeing it in Britain when, like Guy Fox, it's it's like it bleeds into Guy Fox Day, just uh, kind of does five to yeah. five days later. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't give Guy Fawkes Day much. Well, maybe, maybe under the enlightened leadership of the dear leader Boris, <laughs> um, we'll be forced to celebrate Guy Fawkes because it celebrates the destruction of Parliament. Well, actually, doesn't celebrate the destruction of Parliament. It celebrates the uh, uh, saving of Parliament from being destroyed. But he's such an idiot um, that uh, maybe we will be. Maybe it will become a new national holiday that we'll be forced to celebrate, and Halloween will be relegated. So it wasn't as celebrated as much when you were a kid. No, not at all. Really? Hmm. No, not at all. I uh, would have thought otherwise from what I have read, but it, most of it is from the uh, Conan Doyle era, so probably ah! had fallen out of favor by then. I, what you, you so, so hang on. So uh, uh, Halloween was was would not celebrate when I was a kid. Guy Fawkes Day was. That's what I'm saying. Usually. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Guy Fawkes Day. Yeah, it was major. We used to go. Um, they had a giant bonfire in the middle of the village, and then they had this special procession that would go through the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the men, the men of the village, would have a, a balls of spinning creosote-soaked hay that were flaming. So these flaming balls that they would spin around, right? Um, and then they would all hurl the flaming balls onto the bonfire, and it would go up in flames. Mm-hmm. It was very, very impressive. And you would burn Guy Fox in effigy, right? Or burn the effigy of Guy Fawkes mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a uh, it's kind of a disconcerting it was, it was, holiday if you're uh, a Roman Catholic in Britain I would think yeah but I mean Guy Fawkes was a I mean he was a he didn't grow up Roman Catholic he was radicalized he was a mercenary in he was in Dutch in, in, in right Europe right or he was well he was a mercenary in Holland he grew up in Britain but went 
fighters and mercenary in, in uh, Holland and was okay. kind of radicalized by kind of radical Catholicism. It's total. I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's an allegory of terrorism of our time, mm-hmm. basically. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I mean, part of it, part of it is kind of, you know, an anti-foreigner thing. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, which I guess nowadays, like everything that I like is being spoiled by Nazis and fools like Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe it will. Maybe it maybe. May, yeah, maybe it will just fall out of fashion and we'll all just have to celebrate Halloween instead. Yeah. Who knows? Well, who knows? we'll see. Brave New there Britain here with. Uh... Brave New Britain coming down the pike. <laughs> all right. So moving, moving right along. Going swiftly on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Twelve, Peter Capaldi. I picked out the Lie of the Land. Really? Okay, explain yourself. How is this horror? Because those monkeys are all <laughs> like, they're all like, uh, we're like mummies, and also we're like dressed in evil robes, mm-hmm. and that's why I picked it out. So this is the conclusion <laughs> of the monkey trilogy. Yep. Yep. Eh, yep. Where they they have Bill talking into a tape, uh, trying to keep everyone focused. Yep. The monkeys finally get their they finally get their comeuppance, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I mean, I I I guess I was running out of enthusiasm at that point, so I just kind of okay. Well, they you know they look they look they look good. The makeup the makeup is excellent mm-hmm. for the monkeys. Um. Uh. So let's just throw those monkeys in there. Okay. So uh, they're horrific. Is the this? They're the, horrific. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna su- suggest a better horror story, a scary story, or at least for me was. Please do. The Under the Lake, the first part of the Toby Whithouse oh, Under Lake before yeah. the flood, with the ghosts. Uh, with and what makes it good is we were talking last week about how practical effects and cg and versus cgi and it's more believable when it's it's a practical effect and what right. what the director did there is instead of having ghosts like we had with unquiet dead it's the actors acting as ghosts with uh, cgi makeup and stuff but he they're walking really slowly uh, you know as as uh, spooks as these ghosts and it's much more effective than i think if it was entirely a CGI ghost or a bit of tinfoil all of the invasion of time <laughs> for 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 these for these monsters and it's a really creepy story and it ends the the, the first part under the lake with the doctor you you see the doctor as one of these ghosts and i think that's a really that is that horrific, is a scary moment horrific story yeah, no. yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, that that that. I mean, there's actually plenty of spooky, scary stuff in the Capaldi era, mm-hmm. but I, I guess I was going with something that I didn't really believe. I didn't really <laughs> believe in. Uh, okay, for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like like many of the two parters in the modern era, I don't think the second part really sticks the landing. I think the the explanation of everything and how it happens, and then. Uh, we get into the bootstrap paradox with Beethoven, and it it doesn't work quite as well. No, it doesn't. But that first episode is really, really spooky. It's one of the, it it's one of the scarier bits of Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, I think I think similar is um. Well, I guess that's Matt Smith. Sorry, which I, one? I was but it's from the Moffat. Uh, yeah, the one with the goo, or when they're in the weird castle, the Rebel Flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, that which is also you know it starts out well and then kind of falls apart in the second the second episode. I think that's pretty I think those Moffat two parters are often like that mm-hmm. really. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's the knock against the Hinchcliffe Holmes era that they always episode four was the lesser of the episodes and it seems like in the Moffat two parters or even modern two parters, that second second part it, with Moffat trying to be so thematically different in what right. he wants in those stories, it it's it's hard to do, and I'm not sure it's very successful. Where it's most successful is back, like in the RTD era, where uh, the Doctor dances follows tonally, I think, from the Empty Child. Yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, moving moving swiftly on, we'll go all the way back to the dawn of Doctor Who for William Hartnell, Doctor uh, Number One. Well, I've gone with the obvious one on this one, I'm afraid. Okay, which is the chase. <laughs> the haunted house. <laughs> it's got a Dracula. There's a Frankenstein. Uh, is it spooky? And there's also a Dracula and a Frankenstein in it. It's 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 of course it's yeah it's like it's a 
It's an American Halloween. It's like, oh, look, there's a Dracula. I mean, they should be singing the Monster Mash is what they should be doing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where the Wolfman is, but he's no doubt lurking around Ooh. somewhere in the... Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Mm, that was a bit of a jokey one, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. The spookiest thing I can think of right off the top of my head is the cliffhanger episode of one of the Sensorites with that Sensorite kind of oh, that rising spooky, up yeah. uh, as uh, Snoopy in the pumpkin patch of the... Uh, great yeah, pumpkin. Yeah, no, that's spooky. Charlie Brown. No, that's very, that's very alien, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's a, and again, I mean, the Sensorites is too long; it just falls apart. Right. I, I would also say uh, in another super creepy episode for me, anyway, is the Web Planet. Um, all those aliens are just so you know utterly. Mm-hmm. Well, a, it's like a pantomime, so it's like Christmas time, right. so it's spooky in that sort of way. But um, b, you know, they're just they're just all spooky and weird. I think Edge of Destruction is also a really good candidate for psychological is, yeah, horror. Yeah, very kind of Hitchcocky and right. sort of knives. Well, yeah, you got uh, Susan going scissors. after uh, Ian with scissors, and yeah, and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Just, yeah. and even for these characters that you barely know after, well, probably three, four months with uh, Unearthly Child and then the Daleks, they are totally different in this. They're accusing each other, and it's a, it's a, it's a pressure cooker that Whitaker put for these four lead characters all contained in the TARDIS. And the TARDIS is the fifth character in it. Uh, we have the MacGuffin of the Fast Return Switch, but it's it's an examination of these characters' psyches and Whitaker kind of breaks them down only to rebuild them into a new team so they can go on for the remainder of season one and then uh, all, all the way on through the Dalek invasion of Earth, ultimately concluding with the chase where we have this kind of Barbara and Ian arc and the the changing of personality of uh, the first Doctor. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. It's psychological horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah at, at tea time. Yeah, yeah. But um, come on, the chase. Come on, there's a Frankenstein <laughs> and a Dracula. But that's... that's uh, what, what can be more Halloween than that? It's, it's very American theme park... Uh, horror commodified MGM monster Paramount monster movies. I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, classic 1930s Universal monsters. Universals. Yep. That's what I was looking. And so uh, we've already talked about number thirteen, but just uh, it takes you away. Uh, any other? Yeah. Th- yeah. No, I think that's. I'm just going to go with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess Tim Shaw's makeup's kind of frightening. Yeah. But he's kind of a crap character, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue myself into that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, he's called Tim Shaw, for God's sake. Which, taking the Mickey out of your own villain, I'm not sure was a good move on Chibnall's part. But no, but he should uh, have had a more spooky space name than just Tim Shaw. Anyway, yeah. that's that's just my opinion. So, um, moving on to the Fifth Doctor, I went with everyone's all-time favorite Fifth Doctor's tale, which is uh, Time Flight. Terminus. Okay. Oh, time! I should have done. Ti- I should have done time flight. <laughs> Terminus. Which Terminus? Yeah, it's like a spooky old spaceship. Well, you have the and Walking like Dead. Spooky, the Walking Dead. They're scary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big dog. He's scary. <laughs> um, a giant dog, and um, there's a skull that appears on the wall of the TARDIS. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. Nissa's in her underwear. That's nice. I mean, it's kind of final girly. But it's also um, very Hammer, where you have the female uh, always in underwear and distress or something like that. So it's exactly. falling no, in that Hammer trope there with that. It, well, I mean, all kind of, you know, certain level of horror movie trope. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right. It's, you know, all the women have to strip down to their underwear as soon as possible mm. um, and then have to run around being pursued by giant dogs mm-hmm. or, 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 or zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 Again, it's it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. I do like Terminus though. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I like Terminus. You like Sarah um, Sutton, I think, is the reason well, I like why Sarah you Sutton. like Terminus. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But it is. It's a dark old house, you know, with some scary monsters in it. Um, you know, mysterious things happen to the place where you live, which is the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. I think it has it has a lot of the elements of the scary movie to it, which is why I picked Terminus. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not convinced it's horror though or scary or spooky. It's more I think it loses a lot in execution. It doesn't really work I think as horror. I think it's I think it's an what, I think it's an 80s What does misfire. it work as? What does it work as? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You don't you, you don't have to answer I don't that. Know. <laughs> uh I was 
I'm I'm trying to think what is really uh, horrific of the Davison era. I'm wondering if JNT was really trying to get away from that because that was such a part of when he started Doctor Who uh, or when what he was trying to get away from what the connotations with uh, Doc, of Tom Baker. Yeah, could do. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, would make sense. Yep. Uh, you know, because even even in the final scene of Tom Baker, you have like State of Decay, and you have the full circle, and that has certain horror elements in it as well. Right. Uh, I think if I was going to choose something horror, it would be that first episode of Earthshock with uh, that's the pretty good soldiers being liquidated in the cavern with the, by this mysterious force. You just didn't know what was going on, and then the. Uh, the doctor gets the blame for it as and so you have kind of a little bit of what, what you would see in midnight where the doctor is the person of suspect for what's going on with this right right yeah but yeah that makes sense so concluding uh, which doctor have we left off we've left off doctor three yes john pertwee so i was going to be terror of the Orns, but we already talked about that mm-hmm. Um, so then I went with Death to the Daleks. Ooh, now that's not one I would with the Exelons and they, yes, and with their chanting. Well, I was very. T- I don't know if you. Well, I'm sure you do follow Rob Ritchie on Twitter, but he's been doing those very amusing. Um, what is the Joker dancing to today? You seen those? Mm, no, I haven't. Those? No. So yeah, the, the I haven't seen the Joker that movie. Nope. Um, but that okay. trailer where the, where the Joker is dancing down the steps mm-hmm. to Gary Glitter's rock and roll. Right. Um, or which he's... he ripped off from the dealer Derbyshire and Ron Grainer. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Rob Ritchie's been putting other music on top of that, all Doctor Who right. music. Um, right. And he put on the uh, the Exelon chanting over the top. Oh, yeah, that is kind of spooky. <laughs> so um, I've gone with the Exelons. And, you know, the first couple of episodes with, you know, the planet's all... Uh, little TARDIS is going very, wrong. Very much at the beginning. Yep, it's all this mist all over the place and like Sarah's mm-hmm. like tied up and going to be sacrificed and the Exelon's mm-hmm. going, hoo-ha! Yeah, and yep. With their special chant. Um, and that's pretty spooky. Hmm. So that's why I've gone with Death to the Daleks. And there's skeletons in it. When they get to the, when they get into the... <laughs> yeah, that's true. They get into the city, the city. Yeah, there's a skeleton mm-hmm. sitting in chairs. Yeah, well... Chair skeletons. That's the worst kind. Wouldn't be the first story I would think of for horror or spooky stories oh. in the Pertwee okay. era. I think I would go for probably the first one in the be the Doctor Who and the Silurians would be uh, Paramount in my mind. Oh, that's that's definitely pretty spooky with the with the with the horror and just the way that that was uh, put together. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> just being an excellent on that. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's. The thing is, you're going again with the sound of yeah. horror or the, the soundtrack rather than... Well, you actually have the visuals of the... It, uh, the... it is pretty spooky. They're in a cave. Mm-hmm. They're obviously, you know, like very... You know, they're kind of abject creatures mm-hmm. that have, you know, decayed. And um, and you, so you feel, like, feel sorry for them. But yeah. you don't feel that sorry for them because then they try and kill everybody. Right. Um, including Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, exactly. And, you know, and they, even the Daleks are all oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Daleks can't kill anyone anymore. They've lost their special killing powers. Mm. Um, well, maybe that's I, I, the I, true I like... horror in it, that where you have the monsters uh, impotent. Have been demonstified, exactly. The, even the Daleks are at the mercy of the planet Exelon and its titular inhabitants, the Exelons. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that could be where... Yeah. It's a little meta horror. Um, it is meta horror, exactly. That's why I picked it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it's scary. It's scary. I, re- I remember it scared me. It scared me very, very much when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That that one. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. In the same way that you know, um, uh, the invasion of the dinosaurs didn't scare me. It just made me very, very excited and thrilled because there were dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember finding the Exelons pretty pretty frightening and spooky yeah especially with that chanting that uh carrie blighton uh carrie blighton yeah latin chanting of the excellence the latinate yeah. excellence i know exactly you can do you can, you can do a good chant mm-hmm. yeah so that is my spooky selection yeah. my spooky 13 very very good yeah yeah okay so I had some overlap. I didn't have a complete run of all 13 Doctors, but I did have Fury from the Deep and Horror of Fang Rock as two of my spooky Doctor Who stories. Good, good choice. Mm-hmm. Good choices. Yeah, yeah, excellent. 
And in earlier episodes, we had already talked about uh, Empty Child, Satan Pit, and Blink. So I just kind of glossed over those in our discussion. But those are also very uh, spooky, spooky stories. Fair enough. Good. Well, that'll, that'll set you up for Halloween, though I, I guess this will go out after Halloween. Well, for your Halloween, I'm going to suggest uh, we listen to a Paul McGann story set ah. in Halloween 1938, Doctor Who, Invaders from Mars, a Mark Gatiss oh, story. Why not? Let us do that. And we will talk about that uh, in the next uh, Metabilis 2 podcast. That sounds like an excellent plan. Let us do that. And um, it's, it's, I didn't, is that actually is that set on Halloween? I didn't realize that. Yes, it is. Well, very good. Very good. In the United States like of plan. America, no less. In the United States of America. <laughs> Cue all bunch of British actors <laughs> unsuccessfully trying to do American accents. It'll be awesome. It, was, it is good. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, it's, it's Gattis as well. It isn't is. It, it yeah. is. It is. It and is yeah. India Fisher, yeah. Charlie Pollard. So good old India Fisher. It'll be a good one. It'll all be right. a good one. Well, you wasted another hour of your life listening to this. Thank you. If you did, uh, this has been episode 130 of the Metabolos Two podcast, and I have been talking with Ben. And I've been talking with David. And next week, Invaders from Mars, Big Finish number 28. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, bye. <laughs>